You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Business Women Australia podcast, the podcast for ambitious women who are serious about business success and leadership development, keen to increase their knowledge and skills. And welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. This is episode 19 and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Joining me on today's show is Sue Pember. Sue is a passionate entrepreneur who has a knack for finding opportunities everywhere she looks. She constantly challenges herself to make a difference in the lives of friends, clients and her community. Now, this path has led her to work with uh, as a stage manager at the ABC to founding two companies based on her values of people, passion and personal touch. Aussie Orientation Services and My Casa or Mikasa Property Boutique. Now on today's show, Sue is going to talk about all things entrepreneurship, also how to turn an idea into a sustainable business as well as flexibility in the workplace. So welcome to the show, Sue. Great, thanks for having me. Now you have had just a diverse background in entrepreneurship, so we're going to dive in. But first, just so we're all on the same page, how will you would you define entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur? Uh, well, I sort of uh, feel with entrepreneurship, um, you know, anyone can have the ideas. So many people. Um, you know, even come up to me and say, you know, I could be like you. I've got so many ideas for businesses, but it's um, being an entrepreneur is, is having the ability to implement those ideas um, to make them sustainable into a working business that yes. you can actually make money out of and survive. Um, I think um, entrepreneurship has sort of taken on a tone of quite sex in the city-ish kind of um, sexiness mm. and a lot of but um, at the end of the day, it can be a lot of hard work, so you need to make sure that you can look at the facts and figures yes yeah absolutely and one of the things that we mentioned in your introduction is that you're constantly challenging yourself to make a difference in the lives of people around you would you define looking back over your entrepreneurial journey that many of the business ideas that you have then gone ahead and developed and obviously created into businesses was because you saw a need that was going on in the marketplace, either from friends or colleagues or things, and that you thought, you know what, that's a really great idea. So how did you come up with the ideas of what businesses to create? Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I started my first business, Aussie Orientation Services, um, just over eight years ago, and that's because I saw a real need um, in the industry. A good mm -hmm. friend of mine was an international recruiter at the time and was recruiting people to Western Australia. And they just weren't getting help and support, I suppose, from the removalist companies that were supposed to be helping them get a rental property and find their kids in school and those kind of things. It was a lot of sort of online help. It wasn't as much hand-holding as they would have liked. So she spoke to me about that problem and I saw that, you know, what I could offer was a bit of a solution. So that's sort of where it started. Then um, a few years into that business, that, that business grew quite quickly. Um, we were working on a very large project for an oil and gas provider um, in the Perth CBD. 
and we're really being let down by a lot of real estate agents around town. Mm -hmm. um, you know, wrong keys giving um, appointments and those kind of things. So I saw a real opportunity because two of the amazing, incredible women that have been working with me for years, Maggie Freeze and Susan Lamb, um, you know, were, were keen to do something new. So we went into business together and started the Castle Property Boutique. And that's all about bringing customer service, um, integrity and transparency back into the real estate industry. Yes, wonderful. When you when you said earlier about um, you know being an entrepreneur, seeing a need, having an idea for a business, and then getting it up off the ground and ensuring that it is profitable, what are some of the myths, if you will, or mistakes that you see potential business owners? And when I say potential, they just haven't been able to get their business up off the ground and into profits. What are some of the common mistakes that you see them make? Uh, I think that the biggest mistake is not writing out that business plan um, and actually doing the sums to see if it is profitable in the first place. And also um, thinking too much, yeah, just thinking too much with the heart and not so much your head. You yes. know, you really need to be looking at your profit and losses every month mm -hmm. to make that it is viable. And don't be afraid, you know, if it, if it does fail and it doesn't work out, mm. You know, failing at something. I mean, I've I've had about eight other sort of business segments that I've sort of tried things, tested the market, see mm -hmm. if there's an appetite for it, and if there hasn't, sort of been that. Yep. Um, so don't be afraid to sort of pivot or you know stop offering that project. It's not a. I, I think a lot of women in particular see um, you know a failure of a business product or a, or a company as a direct reflection on them all the time. Mm. Um, and they get stubborn and stick their heels in and won't actually pivot and change the business to where the appetite is. Yes, absolutely. Now, you mentioned that uh, with your latest business, the Mikasa Property Boutique, that you went into partnership. What were some of the things that you put into place to make sure that that partnership thrives? Because I've had a number of people on various shows that I host and produce that unfortunately the business partnership with all in full intention, they went in with a great business mm -hmm. idea, but it just didn't work out. So what are some of the things that you have put into place to make sure that that partnership continues to grow from strength to strength? I think one of the things that we, um, it was really great the way that we were able to go into this business because um, Susan and Renee had actually worked for me in my business for a number of years. So we had an apprenticeship of working together. Um, we knew our, each other's strengths. Um, we knew each other's flaws, especially my flaws, um, and we knew how to work together to get the best out of each other. Um, previously, um, when I employed another general manager early on um, uh, with my relocation business, it hadn't worked. And I think the reason why that was is I employed someone who was too similar to me. And I think that's a really big thing that I see a lot of business owners mm. actually um, fail on is they employ people that are so similar to you. And it's really important. There's only one of you. So, um, and you know, that might, you might have huge strengths in that area. So there's no point in employing someone like that. 
Yes, I think it's great that you mentioned how, you know, align with someone and going to partnership with someone who complements the skills that you have. Well, I imagine then that each of you have various functions that you're responsible for in the business. Was that documented or because sometimes what I also hear and see is that people assume that the business partner, whoever else is in the business, knows that these are the functions and the things that they need to be uh, mindful of and in control, yet things slip through the cracks because they haven't actually had a meeting or sit down and say, well, you're involved in this and in charge of this and I'll handle that. How does that pan out for you? Um, we've done a lot of business planning and we also have an external um, uh, CFO um, consultants business planner that was meet with every couple of weeks and he sort of keeps all three of us on track um, to make sure that we're heading towards the goals that we set so I sort of see his position as sort of more of an as an umpire mm. <laughs> which um, it, it is really good you know so we have um, set boundaries we know um, right we're all you know especially when we first started the business you know you're working mm. on nothing yeah <laughs> You know, trying to do startup mode, you know, maybe the success last night might not be paying itself out of the business. Um, but to make it sustainable and to make it viable, that needs to change. Mm. Um, because it's out and they can't do that forever. Yeah. So it's really important, um, I, I thought, having um, that CEO in there to make sure that our, all of our CFO in there to make sure all of our goals are aligned as business partners mm -hmm. and we're all heading in the same direction otherwise it might it ends up being like herding cats Oh, absolutely. And all running around. So, I mean, that's fabulous. So you've talked about being very, um, having a good solid business plan in place so that you know exactly where you're heading. You've had like a, a CFO or someone in there that is external from the business, but that can keep an overall check on what's going on and be that umpire, that referee, if you will. When someone is thinking of starting a business, then how to turn that idea into a sustainable business, what are some other things that you know is so important to have in place? I think it's really important to do your research. Mm. Um, so like if you're going to offer a product or a service, actually go out there and see if there are any competitors, have a look and see how well they're doing, um, do some um, financials on offering, you know, that product at a certain amount of price. I and mean, there's no point. There's so many people work and spend hours and hours and hours working you know, to really be achieving about five dollars an hour. Mm. You know what? And it's not worth it. Go get a job at McDonald's. Mm. Um, sometimes it might be the best idea in the whole entire universe, but it's not economically viable. I mean, my third business is Aussie Au Pairs, um, which is a au pair business which I've had going for about eighteen months. Mm. 
months. And I've just put that sort of into a holding position at the moment. Um, the reason I started is that, you know, it, it was a bit of a change and um, it we're hoping to regulate very so we're sort of set up ready, but it still hasn't hasn't happened. Hmm. So um, you know, so now instead of going full throttle and spending you know, more money and more time on that business. We just put it into a little bit of a holder mode, you know, in order to optimize, shelve it, mm-hmm. um, and then bring it out when there is that change of legislation. Yes. Um, we still have it um, running um, with someone, so I can get, I suppose, myself and my pair, and they can be looked after. A lot of my staff members. Um, and you know a lot of direct friends and families, but we I just don't promote it that much because the bigger it gets, the the more um, financially unviable it gets. Mm. It becomes. Yeah, that's great. And so sometimes when when you're thinking about uh, entrepreneurship and businesses, um, when they have an entrepreneurial trait, they have different ideas, they're creatives. I think that's a great reminder that sometimes if we've got too many ideas on the go, we're stretched too thin, aren't we? Uh, yeah, uh, and that's that's where I really felt myself because I was like, oh, you know, such an opportunity with this au pairing business that's about to become regulated, national level. You know, my background in training, it, it really made sense. Mm. But it really took me away from the counsellor and mm. of the orientation services, my relocation company. And then even when you do the figures on how much money you make out of each care placement, it's not huge amounts of money. Yes. So it's sort of, it, it's a whole lot of work for not much money. Mm. And so it, it and I love the idea of repairing and it's helped me so much as an individual and my family unit. Um, but it's, it's just something I can make money out of. And at what, you know, the last um, nine months, you know, a lot of the time we've been losing like $2,000 a month on that business alone. So, mm-hmm. I can't, you know, for me to actually go, oh, I'll keep doing that when, you know, there are a lot of other things that I work on, which mm. I'm very passionate about, which is part of the business that look after abused children um, and rare births, and, um, which is a female entrepreneur organisation, as well as even my, my little boy's like local primary school. I, I just need to know not to spread myself too thin mm. because otherwise when I spend so much effort on one thing, it takes there's only so much effort and energy one individual has. Yes, absolutely. Great, great reminder. And, and I love the way that you've said you've parked it. It's there uh, so that if anything changes, the market changes and all of a sudden there is this huge need and it's not going to require a lot of your effort and input. It may be something that exactly. you resurrect again and say, well, you know what, I can put this amount of resources there to really get this rock, rocking and rolling. And I love yeah. that that approach yeah. because sometimes, you know, we put all our hopes and expectations and we work hard on things, yet we're not willing to let things go if it's not the right time and you've done your research and we just, or we look at it as, well, another disappointment. But you know what? It's just a decision and maybe you might never really take it up again, but that's okay because other avenues have, have certainly um, kept you, you busy. Let's talk about flexibility in the workplace. I think, you know, as women, business owners and, and leaders, 
uh, flexibility is is so important to us. But also when we think of millennials, they're very much around flexibility and not kind of the nine to, to five, five days a, a week. What sort of insights can you share in this? Yeah, well, I, I suppose that's what really, um, you know, lost me as an employee to my employer, you know, eight and a half years ago. Um, you know, I've been working for a organisation. I loved working there, but I had my little girl um, return back to work in four months. Um, got lured into one of my older positions and was told, yeah, yeah, you know, your job will now be three days a week and because your portfolio is so large, we'll get someone in there full-time and assistant mm. for you. And I actually went back to work. None of that eventuated. So um, I often talk about the psychological contract between an employer and an employee. So for me, that's when that psychological contract was broken. Yes. Um, and when people, um, when employers break that, they promise something and they don't deliver, and they do it not only once, but they do it mm. multiple times. It's really hard to get your employees back on board. Yes. So you know, around that time, I started planning my exit strategy because uh -huh. I just wasn't getting that I needed. Yes. Um, so that's a real lesson for employers to sort of, you know, make sure you deliver what you promise. Yes. And because I was quite hurt and jaded by that situation, it actually is one of the best things that ever happened to me because I think it gave me the fire in my belly so much to succeed and to show them that a working mum can succeed and you don't just have to be at your desk at 8 Exactly. And, you know, especially people like me, I, I work, you know, I'm very up and down and people in business development and sales, I can often, I often feel myself, I, can, I need momentum. Mm. Um, some days I can work like a Trojan, you know, have win after win after win. But other days it's like, oh, this is not a good day. I don't have the right tone in my voice. I just don't believe it's going to happen, all of those kind of things. So this is a day I shouldn't talk to people. Yes. Um, and I think that kind of understanding for managers that there is 24 hours a day, mm. and especially for um, uh, parents of young children mm. or children of elderly parents that need looking after or whatever it is that you need flexibility for, mm -hmm. uh, that I think managers need to be more understanding. Um, I get quite grumpy when I when it's all about working mums, working mums, flexibility in that area. We need to be talking about um, parenting being a um, parent's responsibility, mm. not just a woman's responsibility. And you know, if we give permission for the guys to not be, you know, knock off early, or we ask them the question saying, "Oh, what flexibility do you need mm. um, with?" Cancer, that kind of thing. If we bring the guys to that conversation to the table on that, yes. I think that's where workplace flexibility needs to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think what you said there is a couple of really great uh, insights in that we all have different times of the day that we are working at our best. And once we recognise mm -hmm. that, we can really put the, the key tasks that need to be done in those time frames. And we're far more efficient and far more effective. And I think studies have shown that even right towards or different times of the day, but particularly towards the end of the day, our productivity is, is really quite low. So therefore,
or schedule, you know, non-thinking tasks there, very repetitive tasks that don't necessarily need to take up a lot of uh, your energy. But as you say, people don't have to be tied to a desk. We've got so many incredible tools and technologies that will allow us to work from home. And I think um, when you create an environment like that, that is empowering your team and you've got the right person with the right character and an approach and attitude with the, that aligns with your corporate values, they're gonna be wanting to do, do work. You don't have to be hovering over them to make sure that they're performing, which is just really old school, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you, if you, uh, I think we need to reward people for their outcomes that they're mm. actually achieving not their hours at a desk yes and and that's something i'm so passionate on and about and i you know i live by um and i just love to see um a lot of other businesses Yes. And, and I know with entrepreneurial um, traits, if you will, and, and you sound a little bit, I don't know, if have you ever done the Colby score? The Colby, I think it's the A score. You've got different, it's it's a no, completely... I yeah, well, it's interesting. I only just found out about it towards the end of last year and this year, and I took an assessment. And I am what they call a quick start. And we work well under challenging situations. We click into, um, you know, into action mode. We get things done. Bang, 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 bang. But so when things are actually working smoothly and everything's you know working well we can get bored if there's no challenges but sometimes if I write down my to-do list people will look at it and go oh my goodness and I'm thinking that's just my morning you know because we just can we can do things we build that momentum yet if we were to do that all day we would burn out very quickly and that's where I think what you've said to recognize what the role is what the outcomes the expectations for that role and then allow whoever's in that role if it, it's a good fit to structure the day, you know, and the flexibility. As long as that task is, is completed and the outcome's generated, how they do it or how long it takes them, it might only take them a short amount of time if they're really skilled in that, that area. As you said, that should be what uh, is focused on. You'd have a far better, healthier uh, workforce that um, can sometimes work around the clock because we've got those young millennials who are up sometimes late in the evening, early, you know, in the AM. And if you've got tasks that they can do in that way, can um, can certainly um, contribute to the workforce too. I, I think a lot of managers, I think a lot of managers go to is to be really cynical and mm. um, think the worst of people. You know, oh yeah, they're at home and they're not really working. All they're doing is doing washing, that kind of thing. And if we change people's outlook yes. to actually you know, well, I don't care as long as they're achieving the results, yeah. you know, the, the micromanagement, which is the problem. Mm. Um, and also, it goes, you know, it's that, it goes both ways, you know, yes. we, we need employees, um, you know, not to be <laughs> taking the piss as well, you know. So mm. it, it, it is, as I say, it comes back to that psychological contract. It's like, this is what I expect from you. This is what needs to be done. Mm. Don't care how you do it. And then the employee really needs to prove their performance by hit, by actually hitting those goals and mm. having an open, transparent communication. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's all about communication. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think if you look back to the situation when you were at, where you were made promises, had you um, had an opportunity that they would say, well, let's get together, let's co-create how this is going to be achieved, what support that you need, and, and we'll make sure that we deliver it from our end so that you can um, get in there, get it completed, achieve the outcomes, and still have what you need, which is obviously flexibility. I think sometimes we don't recognize that if we invite participation from our employees point of view and ask them Let, let's see what what will work for you what tools can we use how can we best support you rather than you know just telling them all the time they, they can come up with some pretty cool ideas on how it's going to work for both parties wouldn't you do you agree absolutely I mean, one big thing that we always talk about um, in my businesses is with the employees is come to me with the solutions, not mm. just the problem. Yes. We, I actually get grumpy when people come to me, oh, with the problem. Like, you know, come to me with the solution. When you see the problem, come to Just don't sit on the sideline mm. and point out the problem. There is nothing more that I hate mm. than that scenario. Yeah, I heard and I think it was Simon Sinek that from the US that uh, shared this story. He said there was a, a manager that went into a meeting and they were going to do some brainstorming and he, he sat down and he said, well, here's what we were work, going to work on. Here's what I think, this, this, this and this. And then he said, now go around the table and share your ideas. And Simon pointed out that as a manager or a leader of a business, don't share your ideas first. Open it up to what everybody else is saying because you immediately just um, discredit, if you will, people and some don't want to, to share their ideas. Yeah. You could have turned or, or turned off the next million dollar idea that that staff or team member could have had because they've got boots on the ground, don't they? They hear what the customers are saying and what's going on. And I think if we create an environment that allows them to contribute ideas um, that can then, you know, be um, continue to be nurtured, if you will, from the group perspective yeah. can be awesome. Have that, is that the kind of thing that you've done with your team too? Absolutely, you've got to build that environment. Um, I get no greater pleasure than seeing people grow mm. and develop and mentoring people. So um, within my team, Renee Jeffries, who's now my manager and director of Aussie, and she's my business partner of Macasa, mm. she started with me um, as a consultant, I think, when she was 34 weeks pregnant with her wow. first child. Yeah. And then came back. I think when um, Paige was about six weeks old in like a casual capacity, mm -hmm. um, you know, just working here and there, rewriting, doing quite a bit of copywriting, those kind of things. And, and she worked away, then became a consultant, then became a client services manager, then became a general manager, now became managing director mm -hmm. of that business. Um, so I love nothing more than nurturing people. Susan Lamb started with me as a casual consultant. Um, now we are in the company together with Renee. Mm -hmm. um, I love nothing more, especially a lot of my sales reps in the casa. I so many women in real estate. You'll see real estate is will, next year. They tell me will be the absolute bottom performing sector in the pay gap area. Really? So the work, same job to job. Women, I think, are getting paid something outrageous, like like twenty six less um, and owning two real estate focused businesses myself this is something I really want to do so 
I think um, the women that work for me, I really nurture them mm. and I give them the confidence um, that they need. And I think that's the main area that's been lacking and that's why that gap has become so big is because of lack of mentoring mm. um, and support for women uh, to tell them that they can do it. I yes. think so many women go, oh, I don't want to be too successful or... Uh, because then I love my kids less and I can't spend more time with them. There's so many barriers, <laughs> barriers that women self-sabotage themselves with. Yes. And I see that all the time. Yeah. I love the way that you've shared the story that, uh, you know, as um, your team members continue to grow and their babies continue to grow, that their role has grown too. And I think back, my children are a lot older. The youngest one is nearly 23. But when I had little ones at home, I actually started my own business back then because I needed, you know, motherhood was fantastic, but I needed to get my teeth into projects. And I think, you know, for anyone who's listening or watching um, the recording and who's thinking, that women who have had children are not as productive. I tell you what, our minds are just waiting to grasp the next project, to problem solve, all that yeah. kind of thing, to have that adult and, you know, um, stimulation that way. And I think yeah. that uh, it's a hugely untapped uh, resource that uh, have got Absolutely. fantastic. And also um, um, semi-retirees as yes. well. Um, but especially with the the young mums lacking that confidence, mm. you know, it goes both ways. We need to give them the opportunity. The young mums also really need to own it. Yes. You know, you have to be there. You have to be present. So it, it comes back to that give and take. Mm. You know, you need to be delivering what you say. Today. But, you know, all of those kind of things too. It really goes both ways to make sure that that trust yeah, and from what you've said and modelled so well, it's that open communication, um, it's having the regular meetings, checking in, that kind of thing, so that nothing is left unsaid or not dealt with till all of a sudden, you know, it hits the fan, if, if you will, and if both parties are willing to support one another and deliver what, what is needed, I think that that continues to really build the foundations upon which a great employer, employee, uh, relationship can be built and you've got flexible workplaces that then uh, meet the needs of both employer and uh, the individual employee. Share a little bit more about how people can get in contact with you. Um, just really enjoyed today's conversation. So how can people connect with you? Great, great. So um, probably the easiest way is to, you know, find me on LinkedIn as well um, because, you know, I'm pretty active on there um, or on Facebook if you type in Sue Pemba. Um, uh, yes, but um, both of my business, Aussie Orientation Services and the Casa Coffee Boutique, if you, if you Google Sue Pemba um, and LinkedIn, I'll definitely come in and that's probably the, the best way to make contact with me. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the, the show, Sue, and sharing those insights around entrepreneurship, how we can have a more flexible workplace. And of course, if someone's got an idea or maybe a new business idea alongside what they're doing already, some of the key insights and things that we need to have in place to enable us to grow uh, those profitable businesses. Now, if you're listening or you're watching and you'd like to find out more about Business Women Australia and how you can become part of this dynamic collective of leaders and learners so that you can gain the skills and the knowledge that will enable you to succeed in business. All you need to do is go to www.businesswomenaustralia.com.au. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au.